Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Max Simon. Max is CEO and co-founder at Greenflower. We've had Max on the program before, and we have a sort of special episode today. We're going to talk a little bit about a new program that they've developed. I'm going to let Max explain it, but it's exciting. I think one of the interesting things about the cannabis space is as we kind of evolve and grow, our kind of ability to really kind of focus our knowledge and you know kind of professionalism around this is, is growing and, and evolving as well. And, and Max is really on the forefront of this. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of the programs they've developed and helping sort of move the cannabis industry forward. And I'm excited about this. So with that, Max, welcome to the program. Nice to be with you again, Bruce. Yeah, pleasure as always. So let's just do a little bit, for those people that didn't listen to the previous episodes, let's do just a little bit about your background and Greenflower, and then we can talk about our content today and, and what we're kind of focused on. But give us the backstory. What was your you know professional background? How do you get in cannabis? Tell us about founding of Greenflower. Give us a little bit of the story. Yeah, I've been a medical cannabis patient for many decades now. I I use it for ADHD, and it's been a part of my life for a very long time. Also, my career path has always been in digital education and, and training. And so these two worlds collided in 2014 when I was 
actually asked to do some consulting work in in kind of a, a burgeoning cannabis company in California. And, and that's when I really started to do my research into the industry and, you know, was quite shocked because first I really, really learned deeply the science, the medicinal benefits, the endocannabinoid system, and, you know, realized that all this time, even though I had been a, a kind of a cannabis patient in hiding, this has actually been my medicine my whole life. And I didn't yeah. realize it though. And so that was really inspiring for me personally to kind of clear the guilt and shame and obstacles that I had to just really using this plant as a medicine every day, the way I, you know, kind of had been doing in hiding almost for most of my life. And then secondarily, I realized, wow, this is an industry that is in just dire need of good education and training and that that consumers needed to understand it and professionals needed to understand it and that there was this world of opportunity to to build an enterprise that could play a real significant role in training cannabis and so we started in 2014 and um, I'm really grateful to announce that that today now in 2021 you know we have partnerships with nine different universities that we power their cannabis curriculums of you know really great schools UC Riverside and Northern Michigan University and many others around the country. And we've now trained um, tens and tens and tens of thousands of individuals on the different factors of cannabis, whether it's the medicinal side or the business side or the cultivation side. And we now just last year started training cannabis companies as well. And so we've got, you know, right now about 50 relationships with retail dispensaries and manufacturers and labs and, you know, basically cannabis companies that don't have a training arm. And we've become the kind of, you know, their one-stop shop for all things cannabis training and development of their people. And all of that culminated in the idea of this Gangier program, which we'll talk about today, which we actually started in 2018, but literally just in 2020 have brought out into the world. So it's been a great journey, uh, you know, lots of ups and downs and <laughs> challenges and, and breakthroughs, but certainly been a wild ride that I, that I love. Yeah, and, and I just had tip to you because I think that one of the key issues in the cannabis space is education, right? Both on the professional side, on the consumer side, it's just so much that we don't know, that we're continuing to learn, and then you know so much that we really need to get out into the market in terms of what cannabis is, how it works, why it works, how to use it for different you know kind of needs and situations. So you know I think it's great work that you're doing here. I'm curious you know how this program came up, how the Ganjia program came up, because I I think it's fascinating to think about kind of your own product development process and how you saw the need and how you kind of crafted it, and and then quite honestly how it evolved over time. I, I can imagine that you know where you started three years ago and where you where you've landed today, there's, there's probably been a few tweaks. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I'd, love to, I'd love to kind of talk a little bit about what was the, was the original kind of thinking and impetus to get this going, and then tell us a little of the story of, of how it evolved. Yeah, so Gangier is essentially what we're calling the Cannabis Sommelier Certification. And, you know, Derek Gilman, who's the, the managing director of Gangier, and I talk a lot about like what really was the spark that that made this thing happen because the truth is it was a confluence of a few different things one thing you know for me because the wellness side of cannabis is so important to me and i've been traveling around the country for the last 6 years with green flower you know visiting dispensaries and visiting companies i was really upset by the service that most consumers get within the cannabis shops and you know we've tried to do some kind of quote unquote bud tender education but 
neither side of that is really where it needs to be. Meaning the bud tenders don't have a lot of loyalty to the cannabis shops. The shops don't see the bud tenders as very valuable. And so it wasn't kind of having enough traction. And my desire was to train a new level of professional that could really be seen and respected from a higher place. And so we started looking around at other industries to say, well, who are these kind of trained professionals when it comes to service? And that led us to, quite frankly, you know, many industries that had these rigorous training programs and certification programs for professionals. You know, in wine, they have the sommelier program. In beer, they have Cicerone programs. In they have cigar programs. They have chocolate programs. You know, they have coffee programs. And there, there are trained and certified professionals in other industries that really are the masters of service and quality within that space. And so that was kind of my impetus. Then Derek's impetus was the frustration that quality wasn't being acknowledged in the marketplace. And, you know, Derek's a legacy cultivator and has got very deep ties to, you know, all these legacy cannabis professionals who were all basically saying the same thing, saying, you know, quality, craft, it's not being respected in the market the way that it needs to be. And you see evidence of things like that with like the uber high THC percentages getting deemed as top shelf. Or you see that in terms of, you know, the people selling the products not having a good understanding of what's what, you know, why this product is more expensive than that. And so there was the frustration that true quality Quality in cannabis wasn't being respected or acknowledged or passed down as this kind of corporate cannabis movement was happening. And mm-hmm. so we started again asking those same questions. Well, what's the solution to getting both the professionals and the customers to acknowledge the importance of real quality? And what does that mean? And that's when we realized, oh, wow, there's no standards for actually measuring what quality is in cannabis, Mm -hmm. right? We have these kind of ideas, well, this is fire or, you know, wow, this is really frosty or, you know, I really like the brand here. But there was no standards for dictating what quality cannabis products actually are. And that, again, came back to, oh, other industries have trained professionals to do this. And that has is about actually deciphering what those quality standards are. And so these two kind of, you know, stories combined into saying, well, what if we built the Cannabis Sommelier Program? And that's what was kind of what evolved into Gangier over time. Yeah. I'm curious, as you looked at some of these other industries, you, you mentioned coffee and wine and beer and cigars, you know, that they have, you know, the training and certification levels and the process. And they also have kind of the underpinning kind of taxonomy or framework to be able to actually evaluate you know, the products that they're talking about. As you look at these other industries and you look at cannabis, what, what, have, you, what have you noticed that's similar that you can kind of borrow? And what have you noticed that's just different and you, you've needed to kind of find a different path or come up with a different system because cannabis is just different than some of these other products? Where, where, have, where have you found similarities and differences? Well, that's why this took three years just to get to <laughs> level one, you know? Like, yeah. so, so that, it's a, such a great question, Bruce. And it's a sophisticated question when you get into it because, for example, in wine, right, there's so much about terroir and yeah. the flavor profiles and a lot of relevance in that in cannabis, but you know, it's not in wine, anything about the effect profiles, right? Yeah. It's not like you're like, what kind of buzz am I going to get when I drink this Merlot, yeah. right? But in cannabis, the effect profile is so predominant 
to the reasons why people are choosing different cannabis products. Yeah. And so there was some core similarities. So for example, in Gangier, we we built something called the systematic assessment protocol or the the we lovingly call it the SAP. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the the SAP has four categories of evaluation. There and some of some are totally different. So one is the appearance Right, which is again something that's kind of unique in many ways to cannabis. And we had to look at all the criteria that goes into appearance, like the trim, like the trichome density, you know, like the grading of age, how old is the properties. And so there's some of these things that are very unique to cannabis in appearance. Then we went into aroma and flavor. And those are, again, also what's kind of similar but unique in many ways with cannabis and other industries where or other product types is you have the smell of the product before you consume it, which is a big thing in cannabis, yeah. right? You want to be able to smell it and understand what those profiles are, what the potency is, what flavor profile that falls into. And then there's the taste profile as well. When you actually consume it, which oftentimes comes into the quality of the smoke or comes into the the mouthfeel of that flavor or the harshness of that consumption experience. And so again, there's things that are very nuanced to cannabis that are not the same as other kinds of products. And then we've got this fourth category, which is experience, which is entirely unique to cannabis. And we tried to really go through and have tremendous debates about, you know, whether or not we classify things as mental and physical or just one layer of experience in the potency of it, whether we grade the levels of potency from an experience standpoint or not. And so there's all these very, very specific but different subtle nuances that are, you know, specific to cannabis that just don't exist in any other industry or product type. Yeah. Any big surprises? I mean, you've been working on this for a while and and anything that came up during your development process, research, you know, crafting the content that was kind of an aha or an epiphany for you, you know, as as you really dug into this? Well, I think the first one of those things, I mean, first off, yes, there's a ton of those things that that happen. But the biggest one was thinking, you know, currently we don't have very good sophistication for flavors and experience profiles in cannabis. And that's what really actually did surprise me was how difficult that was going to be to start to standardize in a way that wasn't subjective. And so in that, you know, we looked to a lot of the scientists on the terpene profiles. And one of the things that surprised me is that, you know, I don't know to get the the exact number, but something like 95% of the cultivars out there have fall under essentially six buckets of terpene profiles. Interesting. <laughs> and that there are these buckets, these six particular six buckets of terpene profiles that are almost, you know, predominant throughout every sector of cannabis today. And so that was interesting because we've always had this conversation of, oh, the terpenes are so unique and, you know, how could you ever standardize it? But when you look at the testing data and we have two levels of scientists, we have the SC Labs guys and then and then Dr. Raber, who's at the workshop, who's, you know, they've done tens of millions of tests at this point. Yeah. You know, you can see, oh, no, there's there's actually a lot of consistency to those terpene profiles and that you can put most cultivars within a certain terpene profile class based upon the data of testing all the 
those those flavor profiles. So that yeah. was very interesting because all you know, there's been this very intense debate just by people that love cannabis about oh, there's hundreds of different terpenes and you can never standardize them and classify them. But it's actually not true. There are these classifications that when you look at the majority of cannabis that's out there, they fall into. So that was one as an example. And do you think is that because of the kind of the, the nature of the plant and how it grows that certain terpenes kind of grow in profiles. And so you see these kind of clusters naturally or wh- why? Because what's the understanding? Yeah, I think it's that the, the cannabis plant, even though it's so miraculous in its biodiversity, if you will, there still is a, you know, a certain genetic profile that creates a certain kind of terpene profile, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's more the recognition that, you know, most cannabis out there is a myrcene dominant profile. Mm -hmm. And people don't like saying that, but that is the truth that, that most of the terpenes that the cannabis plant seems to produce is myrcene, right? And mm-hmm. so you start to see when you look through the data that that it's just, I think this is just the, the nature of the cannabis plant as a species that yeah. has been propagated throughout the world. Now, you know, with breeding and with genetic profiling, that will expand for sure, but it's going to take really sophisticated breeding programs to do that, to isolate, you know, those genetics that have those very, very unique profiles to them. Yeah. I mean, I could, you could sort of see that in wine as well, right? You've got this varietals that are kind of dominant varietals and there's kind of subvarietals and there's, you know, yes, at some level there's an infinite kind of number, but there is definitely kind of clusters and kind of paths that exist that cluster the, the market. Yeah. Tell me about the um, the effect profiles. I mean, how did you actually approach and kind of classify and figure out how to structure this whole thing of, you know, the desired effect or the effect that the, the cannabis was going to have on an individual? So, the you know, the first thing I'd say to that, which is people have given us a lot of positive and negative <laughs> feedback about our, our Ganjie Council. And these are 18 people that we selected to really help steward the development of this process. They were all yeah. volunteer based. There was, it was a volunteer committee and collectively that, that group put 8,000 hours of time into the development of this program. Yeah. But the reason we and they, they combined that 18 people have 600 years of consumption experience between those 18 people. Mm-hmm. And the reason that that was so important is because you need people that have been consuming lots and lots and lots of different forms of cannabis in lots of different ways for a long period of time to really understand what are the nuances there. And the effect profiles was was a great example of them, you know, to first try to classify what are the standardized language we want to use and why, right? So, for example, I'm looking at our Ganjie app that we built, which is a systematic assessment protocol app to actually lead people through the assessment protocols, meaning when you're assessing flour or you're assessing concentrates, it leads you step by step through it and lets you create a, a journal of recordings of, you know, how each cannabis product scores, if you will, using this Gangier protocol. So we have physical effects here, and we define both the physical and mental effects as three categories, relaxed, balanced, and stimulating. So we specifically said, okay, moving forward, the heavier kinds of cultivars, we're going to define as relaxing. And that was like, you know, even that, just to get to that, say, that term and that agreement and consensus was a big, a big, enormous (laughs) debate. But there was relaxed, there was balanced, meaning it was a balance of kind of relaxing and stimulating, or it was stimulating and that that had that kind of uplifting quality to it. And then we realized that you actually did want to classify these things in terms of mental and physical. 
that, mm-hmm. that oftentimes certain cultivars have a very kind of body focused effect. And some people, some of them have a very mental focused effect. So we broke them out into two levels of grading there. And then we started to go into these nuances, like the onset. How fast does it come on? Is it delayed, meaning it takes a while? Is it fairly moderate, you know, regular? Or is it a rapid onset? You know, sometimes those things just come on, hit you real quickly. Mm-hmm. Then we went through intensity. Is it a mild experience, a moderate experience, or a strong experience? And that gives you just a gauge of the potency, if you will. And we talked about duration. How long does it last? Because oftentimes you realize that some cultivars or some products have a very short kind of effect profile and some have a very lasting one. So we had brief, moderate, and sustained in the duration. And then we went to after effect because Oftentimes, you only have one of two levels of effect. And again, this was like a whole debate where either your effect is it comes off and you still feel kind of heavy, which we said it's either a, a relaxing after effect or none. Sometimes it just wears off and you go back to a normal state and that's yeah. what it is. And so you judge the after effect. And then finally, there's the uniqueness of the prof- of the experience. Was it a common, uncommon, or a very rare kind of experience profile? Yeah. And those were the criteria we use to judge the effects of any individual experience. Yeah. As you started to look at the cannabis with these with these attributes, these profiles, or this these axes, did anything change for you in terms of actually understanding the plant, or did you were there any kind of you know ahas for you as as you kind of understood like the the your previous experience with cannabis? How did it change for you as you kind of had these tools? The biggest thing by far was how much more nuanced cannabis is than most people ever realize, yeah. right? So like here, let me get, as a, I'll give a perfect example of this because most people have never even considered these things. Yeah. Nonetheless, knew that they were influencing the quality of their cannabis. So like on the visual side, because a lot of this stuff, again, I'm not this multi-decade cannabis professional. I mean, I've been consuming for a long time, but I had, this hasn't been my craft. I haven't been in the industry. I've been in an industry for six years. So for me, a lot of the knowledge and the debates that were happening were extremely eye-opening. So for example, here's the criteria. So contaminants observed, yes or no. If it's a no, it's basically a fail. But then there's trichome density. There's trichome intactness, which is which that was a very big eye-opening lesson to me that I didn't realize until we started going through this is if you look at a cannabis flower under a jeweler's loop, which is the tool that we've kind of used. We have a whole Gangier branded jeweler's loop now too, which is cool. Nice. But you look at it under a jeweler's loop, you see that there's two different things you're looking for. There's there's the density of trichomes, meaning how covered is that species? But then when you look closer, it's also is the heads of those trichomes still truly intact or not? And and one of the things that shocked me is we, you know, to evaluate this, we started buying a bunch of, of legal cannabis, if you will. We went to a bunch of shops and we started to put them through these assessment protocols. A huge, huge, like like 80 percent of the legal cannabis out there had all the trichome heads knocked off of it. And so even though you see a lot of these little kind of stocks and these things that would make it give you the perception Uh that this is going to be a really potent cannabis product, if the heads are knocked off, it ruins the potency. And so it was really eye-opening to realize that, you know, kind of looks, you know, surface level appearances can be extremely deceiving from a stance of quality. And is that an issue of processing and packaging? Exactly. Yeah. Handling. That's a handling issue. 
right? It's a handling issue of how it was trimmed, how it was handled, how it was stored, how it was packaged, how it was shipped, how well it was preserved in that process. Yeah. And if it's not well preserved, guess what? You're getting a lesser quality product. Well, it's interesting because, and, and that's the one thing I've, I think has been fascinating for me as, as gotten into this industry is, I mean, you're, you're dealing with an agricultural product, right? I mean, it's like, you know, it's like buying bananas, right? They're going to, it's going to change over time, you know, based on time, based on exposure to air, things like that. So, I mean, I think the one thing that I've really been, you know, curious about is, is as companies really figure out how to deliver quality products, is what does this supply chain look like? You know, how are we handling it? How do we package it? How fresh is it? You know, all these things that are just, I think, starting to come into bear in terms of actually defining quality product and defining, you know, delivering a quality product to customers. And I think you're hitting the nail on the head in terms of, you know, being able to evaluate this stuff at point of purchase or at point of consumption is is really what we need to do. And there's, again, another really eye-opening difference between cannabis and almost all these other yeah. kinds of Epicurean industries is, you know, like my buddy who's a sommelier was just telling me, like, I've got a, you know, a 2007 cab that I've been holding and I was thinking to myself well Jesus if you're trying to hold your flower till from 2007 <laughs> you're going to be you know surely disappointed but you know in other categories like I'll tell you the place where I still feel like I'm just such a novice is in the concentrate category yeah, exactly. and and you know hash for example can oftentimes become yeah much riper and more flavorful with age and so these are all these nuances of cannabis products that are just flat out different than other spaces and you don't know them until you really start to get the detailed training and sophisticated knowledge of understanding what makes for a quality product. Yeah. And so talk to us a little bit about the, I mean, you mentioned this, the council that you put together and, um, you know, sort of amassing this knowledge. How has that played out to give us some insights in creating that, you know, brain trust of cannabis knowledge? Yeah. So what we did is we started in the beginning to try to do our absolute best to define what is actually needed to know for, if you will, a, a cannabis sommelier, a gangier, like what's needed, right? And there's in that process, you realize you can rule some stuff out. Like they don't need to be a master cultivator, right? They don't need to, to have been growing all of their own cannabis and know everything, but they do need to know the factors that affect quality in the cultivation process, right? And so what we did is we defined all these different areas that we thought were important, oftentimes drawing a lot from the analogs of these other industries. You know, like we really, we spent months studying the wine sommelier, the, the chocolate program and the beer programs, Cicerone programs to really kind of break down their curriculum and understand why they were including stuff for their industry and then did the crossover. And in that, then we started to go through and say, okay, you know, we need a few people that come from the cultivation realm, but really understand how that, you know, translates into finished product. And we need a few people on the manufacturing side that come from processing. And we need a few hash masters, if you will, you know, and concentrate masters and people that really understand the concentrate process. And then we need some people on the service side and the retail side. And then we need a legal expert. And then we need somebody on the appellation side to understand appellations of origins in cannabis. And so that process brought us to say, let's find the most experienced people that we can find in each of these categories. And that was our criteria, the most experienced, not necessarily the most well-known, not the most 
less well liked, not not <laughs> yeah. somebody that, you know, is the flashiest, but the most experienced in these categories. And quite frankly, that brought us predominantly to Northern California, <laughs> yeah. you know, and so we got we had people like Kevin Jodry, who was one of the original founding members of Ganji anyways, but that brought us to Frenchie Cannoli, who's obviously a hashish master that yeah. brought us to Patrick King, who runs one of the more successful manufacturing companies in the space that brought us to a few scientists like Jeffrey Raber and the, the SE Labs guys that brought us to Swami and Nikki from from um, Swami Selects because they've been judging cannabis at the Emerald Cup. They're yeah. the original judges from when that very first started. That brought us to Mel Frank, who's the original botanist behind helping people understand the botany of the cannabis plant. That brought us to Amanda Ryman, who has been on the social side and the service side, you know, her whole basically career in terms of understanding facts versus fiction. We got Nick T, who was the first person to create a legal hash company in the United States and really built the solventless category. And so he's our solventless master. And then Omar Figueroa, who's our legal expert, who's been in the cannabis space for a long time. Um, and Aaron Varney, who's on the cannabis retail side. He's got the longest running shop in Washington, um, set of shops in Washington, really talking about the sales and service side. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it kind of went on, on from there. And so you can see how we basically picked individual experts that covered these individual areas that we could find that were the highest caliber, most experienced people we could find and then pitch them on being involved. And it was a, you know, extensive process. So that's how we got them. I'm sure. And in terms of, you know, aligning them around this and, you know, creating the content, I mean, I guess how easy was it? Was there a lot of kind of debate? Um, kind of this seems like a bit of a Herculean challenge <laughs> to try to, you know, define everything. It took 8,000 hours. So yeah. when you say debate, I mean, there was like, you know, it was all respectful, but there was yeah. full-blown screaming matches on, you know, what would be included in the SAP and whether it was mm-hmm. how we would label it this way. And, you know, whether we, hash was just literally hand-rolled hash or whether hash included all the concentrate yeah. methodologies out there. I mean, it's it was intense and it took took three years and 8,000 hours of time and, yeah. you know, many, many in-person sessions and many, many council sessions. I mean, each individual part of the process was broken up into sub-council subject matters. And so, like, you know, we developed a protocol for service and getting to a place where we could really make sure that when somebody comes into a shop, there's really, really precise protocols for how you engage with them. And then that brought up the fact, well, you need different protocols for a new consumer than you do for an experienced connoisseur. Right. And somebody who's here for a more kind of, you know, flavor profile versus somebody who's here for a very specific effect profile. So it was a incredibly rigorous, very long, oftentimes frustrating process because there was so much input on all the sides. But fortunately, I feel so grateful because the council all saw the higher purpose of this. And from the beginning, we've called this our 100-year project because Ganjie should still be here in 100 years training people to be experts in cannabis service and experts in cannabis knowledge and protecting quality cannabis. And because of that, that shared vision of what this was, the council just stayed in it and got to a place where we came to consensus, you know, one after another, one after another, one after Mm -hmm. another, until we finally had something that we really felt was, you know, solid enough to go out for just the first round of now direct experience in the market. Yeah. And, And how are you going to market? Tell us about the content, how it's delivered. What have you set up? How are you, how are you getting people involved? 
Yeah. So the certification pathway is so cool. I, I, it's like I'm most excited about getting people to start going into it. And so what, where it is right now is there's 10 courses that are the level one certified Ganjie curriculum, and that's all online. And fortunately, each course contains all three different members of the Ganjie Council doing their piece. And so it's about 40 hours of training online that goes through all these different areas. Then there's a live in-person hands-on training on assessment. And I just keep thinking it'll be like the funnest experience <laughs> of many cannabis yeah. consumers' lives. You know, we'll be going through these different profiles. We'll be going through the SAP app, you know, in-person. We'll be really testing them and quizzing their knowledge around developing a palette and developing a nose. And so there's a there's just a really, I mean, it's going to be so fun, but a two-day, pretty rigorous hands-on training. And then people have to go and study and and just as a side note, this is like the funniest part of Ganjie for me personally is studying means practicing your assessment protocols. And so for us, as we've been developing the protocols, you know, we've spent, I mean, gosh, I don't even know it, probably hundreds and hundreds of hours at this point, Derek and I, meaning uh -huh. practicing the assessment protocols. And so then after assessing five or six rounds of flour or concentrates, you get so stoned. And I would come back home and I would come back home and my wife would look at me and be like, uh-huh, you're working again, huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. and, <laughs> I've had a rough day at work, honey. Yeah. And, and it's like, I kind of didn't know what to say because I was like, I understand, you know, I mean, it's not, again, another nuance, not like uh -huh. wine. You can't spit it out, yeah, right? Exactly. It's not like you're just swishing around your mouth and spitting it out. You're, you have to inhale it and uh -huh. taste it. And, you know, the way that you inhale smoke or vapor is, is, you know, through that process of inhalation. Yeah. And so I would get so stoned. <laughs> but that said, you have to practice because yeah. if you, I can assure people, this is the God honest truth. And we've, again, part of the debate, people will fail this if they don't practice. Yeah. There is absolutely no question in my mind that if people don't take this really seriously, you're going to fail. And so there's a period of practice and assessment to develop the palate and the nose and the, the understanding of all these factors. Um, and then there's a three-part exam, and that's an exam in assessment, in knowledge, and in service. Yeah. And that'll happen at the end of the year. And so you know, we've got the whole process now in place and we're just starting to accept applications. You know, people can go to the website and they can get on the interest list and then that'll put them through the application process. And we're just going to have to start doing this in batches because, you know, it's brand new. Yeah. And, and because of that, we have limited capacity for how many people we can certify. But um, yeah, it's it's starting this year. And so we're, we're accepting applications now and going through and, and letting people into the program as space opens up. That's great. And if people want to find out more, get involved, how do they do that? Ganjie.com. So it's G-A-N-J-I-E-R.com. Um, and yeah, go to, go to Ganjie.com, sign up for the interest list. We are also publishing just content every week that relates to all these things, you know, relates to quality standards and everything. And so yeah, people should go go check it out and follow it. It's a, it's such a cool project. Yeah, I've enjoyed looking at the preview, you know, really high quality stuff. I've The names that you've mentioned, some of them have been guests in the program, really high quality folks. So you know, it looks like you've developed a really great product. I encourage everyone to go check it out. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, Max, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Nice to be with you today, Bruce. Thanks for, for having me. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, Download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter 
at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.